I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. Brittany and Nia, we are coming to you on Tuesday, March 14. If this wasn't right after Daylight Savings, we'd say this is a an After Dark episode because we're recording at night. But it's actually light out. How lovely is that? Oh, that's so true. I just noticed that. Uh, still, I think all of our disclaimers about recording After Dark still apply. <laughs> yes. It might be a little unhinged, a little incoherent, definitely sweary. Definitely fucking sweary. Yeah. Let's start off. We got a shout out to Michelle, our newest Patreon subscriber. Thanks so much for joining us, Michelle. And Michelle, we know, came to us specifically because she wanted to join our Patreon book group that's reading The Revolution Will Not Be Funded. You can still join in and get all the past episodes heading on over to patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. Oh my gosh, that sounded like it was an ad. I know. At the end, I was like, should I do this for like real? Should I get paid for voiceover work? I think you should. That was amazing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I was watching you do it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did she do that for real? Because there's some of those podcasts where you'll be listening to them. And then all of a sudden, they just launch like in the middle of a conversation into an ad. But it's with their voice. And then you're like, wait, is this part of the conversation? Is this an ad? I can't figure it out. Yeah. Which I also think is kind of sneaky. Super sneaky. Because sometimes I'm like, do you really like Casper Mattress? Or are you just like every other podcast? I mean, besides us. <laughs> I mean, I probably really like it if they send it to me for free. I know. Why won't they? I don't I would love a PR box from any brand right now. Any brand. Anything. And as much as we talked up Bombas, I don't know why that hasn't showed up weeks ago. I am actually wearing my Bombas socks to record because they are the best podcast recording socks. See, I could do a whole ad on that for you, Bombas. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like a new minivan, I could do a whole thing on that too. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some free socks. You're going all the way to minivan. I am. Hey, I uh, hashtag podcast goals. I set my sights high. I love it. Do it. <sighs> do it. Okay, we digress. Brittany, do you know what we're talking about this week? I don't. I was just about to ask you, what are we even talking about? <laughs> so we need to we need to go on a trip with Nia down memory lane. In a minivan. Uh, yeah. Actually, part of my childhood was in a minivan. Also, a hatchback Ford Taurus where like the back two seats sat looking out. Oh, my God. My grandparents had that and I loved it so much. It, it was fun. Constantly car sick, but I didn't care. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Anyway. So... As longtime listeners and friends of the pod might know, I grew up in a very politically conservative, religious town in Michigan. The whole area is very much that way. No alcohol sales on Sunday. Actually, there were protests when the grocery stores opened up on Sunday because, you know, it's the Sabbath and we don't do that. Day of rest. Day of rest. It's like the adjacent birthplace of wonderful figures like Betsy DeVos. Um, So religious stuff is just omnipresent. And while I was visiting over Christmas this past year, um, seeing my family, who I love, which is why I go back to visit this place, Mm. it became apparent to me that I had a lot of pent-up aggression, Mm. specifically about 
religious human services organizations. Ooh, can't wait to hear more. So again, I think we need to like parse out a few different things here. There are religious institutions, the ones that are there to promote religion, your churches, synagogues, temple, etc. Those are religious institutions. They are 501c3s for the most part. Their taxes and information is actually hidden from the public unless they decide to release them of their own volition. But they are there to promote religion. Then there are organizations that were maybe started from a religious institution, but have since spun off onto their own thing and are no longer affiliated with that institution. You may have worked for one specifically, Brittany. I think I did. And we had to give that disclaimer every time. Yeah. Started in a, what, Bible study? Is that how the story goes? Uh-huh. An adult Bible study group at a Methodist church. Yep. But we're no longer religiously affiliated. Uh, which I think is true, actually, for a lot of organizations. And then there are the ones that are still religious and providing direct human services programming. And those are the ones I have issue with. <laughs> Why? Why do you have issue with them? I should also probably state for the record, I am an atheist. I grew up evangelical, very deeply involved in the church. I went on some pretty problematic mission trips as a child. I went to Jesus camp. I was a praise leader. Like I was in deep. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were a leader. There's like a four-year period where I don't know any pop music because I only listen to Christian rock. <laughs> that is not an exaggeration. It's just like this black hole of music I don't know. That's hysterical and does not surprise me. I also married an atheist and he grew up in the deep south and very much kind of similar what you're talking about, you know, where he was kind of thrust into it. And once he got old enough, said no more. Yeah. And this is not about me pissing on anybody's religious beliefs. Like, I think there is something really amazing about having a belief, uh, a moral guide, something that gives you hope and connection. Like, I do think religion can be amazing for a lot of people. I just have a lot of specific religious trauma. Right. I went to churches that denounced gay people as my brother came out as gay. Right. I went to churches that were actively having pastors and youth pastors sexually abusing children oh. while I was attending. Oh. So, yeah, like my religious trauma and current belief on faith should have no impact on you. I'm just stating it for the record so you know the perspective I'm coming from. <laughs> You're just putting your bias out there. Yes. I want that to be very clear. Okay. So the the thing that really got me thinking about this was um, the primary direct service provider in my hometown was a local religious human services organization. They did sheltering, some case management, um, support into housing kind of stuff when I was growing up. Like we would volunteer there regularly with church. That's where you'd go to do all your donations. We didn't really have a goodwill till um, I was older. So you, you'd go to this organization. And while I was visiting this past year at Christmas, I haven't lived in this town now for 20 plus years. I noticed that they have grown significantly. Mm. And a mile away from my mom's house, they have a massive center going in that has a thrift store, oh. a job training center, a housing support center. I mean, we're talking like strip mall size for this nonprofit. Okay. This nonprofit requires 
religious adherence in order to obtain services. No. Yeah. They actually state that. Um, no. Okay. But this was my experience growing up, and I have since confirmed it with people involved today. Growing up, we, we always knew, like, if if people were staying at the shelter on a Sunday morning, they had to be at the church service. Otherwise, they couldn't stay Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And I still have friends who, like, work in and around those spaces in my hometown, and they confirm that there is there are still religious requirements. Okay. So here's the issue, right? Like, again, I think we've got a ton of organizations across the country that were started out of religious communities. And it makes sense, right? I I mean, whatever holy text you're reading, there is always something about like helping your community. Sure. There's tithing and tzedakah, all these ways to give back. Of course, thinking about like, how do we as a congregation come together and support the most vulnerable in our community would make sense. Right. Right. Try to meet those needs. But when are they able to be maintained in that religious practice and when are they able to be spun off and actually meet the needs of the broader community is a really interesting transition. As you mentioned, you worked for an organization like that. I can think of at least three or four in Boulder County that have very publicly stated, like, this is our history. We started from a church. Oh, yeah. Maybe even our name is still tied to that. Yeah, I've worked for two now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we are a secular organization, yeah. right? We, we don't adhere to a specific religion. Our staff, our volunteers, our clients do not have to be part of that whatsoever. And they probably don't even talk about religion. Well, so I'm really curious, you know, obviously there's a lot of money that's being put into this new building, these services that they're creating. I would love to know where their funding's coming from because the reason nowadays that we clearly want to make the distinction that there's no religious ties or affiliation is to get funding, right? Is that there's a lot of funders that will not support a religious organization. There's also a lot of donors that won't. And so I'm curious if you're just like, hold on, like embracing it, are there specific funders for them or are they getting most of their money through like tithing in their congregation and that sort of thing? That's a great question. And I think that's part of like the crucial distinction between like Boulder County nonprofits, where we actually have pretty low religious attendance as a community. Right. And a community like Holland, Michigan, where everything's tied into religion. And that is actually a benefit. Right. I'm trying to be really careful not to call out this organization. Fair. Because on this podcast, we like to uplift the ones that are doing well by name and protect the ones that aren't. And I'm really struggling with this. And I'm actually kind of hoping any from anybody from Holland, Michigan listens to this and is like, I know who Nia's talking about. <laughs> so this organization recently hired a new CEO. He was there as interim. They hired him. It was on the front page of the local newspaper. And I happened to see it. His most recent position before that was with the Family Research Council. Are you familiar with the Family Research Council? Tell me more. I am not. Well, when you think about nonprofit human services, you don't usually think to start by looking at the list from the Southern Poverty Law Center of hate groups, but that is where you would see the Family Research Council. Oh, snap. They're located in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they're anti-gay, anti 
anything, right? Like just a really moralistic group. They put out a lot of advocacy and bullshit about all of that. Um, And they are considered a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. So this guy came from there to the Holland... Oh, I almost said it. (laughs) (laughs) You better watch yourself. Oh, goodness. To this organization. (laughs) And they like publicize that. Like that's a good thing, right? Right. He did this good work for this Christian valued organization. And now he's coming here. So like when you ask about like where the funding comes from, the kind of morals and things that you and I think about are almost backwards. Yeah. For that community. Yeah. But that also brings me then to my next big point on a broader scale about federal funding. Yeah. Because you would think, right, we've got like separation of church and state. How does that work? They can't do that. Right. They didn't qualify for federal funding. Well, Brittany, what if I told you they could? What? How? So I'm going to include this in the show notes. It is a lengthy, lengthy article about the equal participation of faith-based organizations in federal agencies, programs, and activities. So this is meant to like encompass all different kinds of things. And we're talking like Department of Education, Department of Housing and Urban Development, DOLA, Homeland Security, right? All different agencies in all different ways. So a lot of the language is vague because it's trying to fit into so many different systems and operations. But it's basically like, because of religious freedom, these faith-based organizations can both participate and get funding. And with every administration, there are changes to the rules. But it it basically all started uh, under W. Okay. Our good buddy W. Yep. When he established this, this entire department, the Faith-Based and Community Initiatives Department out of the White House, because he wanted to make sure that there was a level playing field for those faith-based organizations to participate. Obama went back, made some clarifications, made some updates to it, like wanted to ensure that any religious social service provider refer potential beneficiaries to an alternative provider if the beneficiaries objected to the first provider's religious character. That makes sense, right? Right. So it's basically saying somebody comes in, says, I'm not Christian. They say, well, you can't have services here, but here's a list of places that you could go. Yes, exactly. And like they had to provide notices, et cetera. So Obama was basically like, okay, we're going to keep this order, but I'm going to make it a little bit better. And then we had fucking Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't had a good fuck Donald Trump in a moment on this podcast. <laughs> Thank God. Right? I mean, <laughs> like that means we haven't had, I mean, there's always a need, but we haven't had a new novel need. Yeah. I mean, it's been really nice, like, not even paying attention to the fact that he's running for president lately. A hundred percent. I mean, what a joke. So our good buddy Trumpy comes in, does another amendment to it. And again, as we can expect, expands it further. Um, So his executive order states that the federal law protects the freedom of Americans and their organizations to exercise religious and participate fully in civic life without undue interference by the federal government. An undue interference is not granting them money. Wait, there are too many negatives in that sentence I know. for me to figure follow it. Like <laughs> this is after dark recording. Exactly. Interference would be limiting funding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So without undue interference means they can get federal funding. And the federal government can't say necessarily how you work with constituents and whether or not they follow your religion and Blah, blah, blah. Then 
we now have Biden, who has gone back and made some additional changes since then. Um, We're still waiting for the final order to go into place. It's actually currently open for public hearing, if anybody wants info on that. It's part of this document that I'll share. But it's it's trying to right some of these ships. What Obama did, again, was like a half step in the direction it needs to go. But it's such an important thing. When we have communities where their human services are provided by faith-based religious agencies and there are no alternatives, what do people do? Right, exactly. If you are unhoused in my hometown right now, where do you go? You lie. You lie. You sit through religious services that you might find repulsive, that openly you know, say bad things about you and your sexual orientation, your gender identity, right? Like we put people potentially even in harm's way by doing that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and what I would love to know, which I'm putting you on the spot, I'm sure you don't have this data in front of you, but I would love to know, okay, so the government has this money that they're saying is open to fund religious organizations providing human services. I would love to see the breakout of funding of to Christian organizations versus other religious organizations that aren't Christian. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Like if we already know that we have a problem with funding white-led uh, organizations and there is a disparity between funding for organizations that are serving people of color or led by people of color. And that's racial. Like, what about religious bias and religious discrimination? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that would be interesting. I definitely don't have that data. But I also think like we should think historically, too, about the amount of harm religious institutions have done. This might be top of mind because I'm currently watching a Canadian crime drama (laughs) Longtime listeners will know I I love a good crime show, especially um, not American, yeah, Canadian, British, French. Yeah, you do. They're just so much better. But it it all revolves around a residential school, mm. and Canada has done a lot of work to like really investigate and legitimately find bodies and return them to families that the Catholic Church primarily are, is responsible for. Oh, wow. And the U.S. is just starting to do that under Secretary Holland. We've got a lot more to do. But, like, again, we we keep trying to, like, I don't know, make it okay for religious organizations to work in these spaces when, again, marginalized populations really have no reason to trust them. Yeah. At all. So I guess this is me being, like, a socialist again. But when we're having our services provided by entities that are really unregulated, that don't have requirements against discrimination, and we'll see what SCOTUS does. I mean, I think they've got some upcoming rulings that could even impact this kind of service delivery. Yep. How much worse are we making our society? Right. Well, and I think what's interesting for these organizations, and they're having to have these conversations among them, because I know of one here in Colorado, not in Boulder County, but who is kind of rethinking that affiliation because they do provide services to anybody and they don't have any requirements. Um, And they truly are trying to be a like fair and just and equitable organization to who they're serving. 
But your point exactly is what they're struggling with is just by having a religious uh, name, they're excluding people who might have that kind of trauma or will make the assumption and so won't come in and seek the services when they really need it. Even if they would be given what they needed, they're not even coming in the door because they don't feel welcomed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll give a a really local example. There's an organization that started providing programming um, at like diffuse sites, like wherever they could get free space. And of course, a number of churches offered Mm -hmm. up free space. And there are groups that are struggling to maintain membership because people don't want to go into these spaces. And it's just such an interesting dynamic where I think a lot of these churches are trying to mend fences and sure. say, like, you know, you can come use this. Like, we want to be part of your community and vice versa. But the organization at the the center of it all isn't necessarily understanding the religious trauma like you were talking about. Like, right. what what does it mean for an individual to walk into a space where they have been hurt, where they've been harmed, where they've been ostracized? Right. Yep. So this is like a big conversation for society to have. (laughs) Y'all could just get with it, start having it. That would be super cool. And I'm not saying that like government is the solution for this, but regulation has to be. We can't have every president coming in and changing whether or not religious organizations can discriminate on the basis of religion, whether they get funding or not. Yeah. Like we need to have congressional oversight over our direct service providers who are, again, providing some of the most crucial services, some of our most life-saving services in our communities. You know the big one we haven't talked about? Give it to me. Religious health care. Oh. Have you ever run into a religious hospital or healthcare institution? I got to think back. I don't think I have. Well, we have a number of them here in Colorado. That's so funny. I've never even considered that. I have friends who have it written like into their medical documents, do not take me to certain hospitals because they would not perform life-saving abortions. Right. So again, our medical system, (laughs) which has been privatized into a combination of nonprofit and for-profit hands, but, you know, largely out of the public sphere, it allows these religious institutions then to limit life-saving care because of religious exemptions. Right. What the fuck? Well, yeah. And then changes the treatment that somebody's going to receive who may like be in a situation, some kind of emergency where they don't have the ability to say one way or another where they want to go. So they're taken somewhere just by sheer proximity. Right. Mm -hmm. And that could be a life or death situation for them or their family. Yeah. That's fucked up. Again, this is not something where like SCOTUS is going to be our friend right now and being able to pass a ruling that would actually improve (laughs) this kind of access. And so then you end up looking at it locally, right? Like what can our state legislature do? How can we ensure that there's transparency around this, right? Like if any of you out there are pregnant, could become pregnant, and you want to ensure your ultimate health in the course of your pregnancy, you need to be looking at which hospitals would not perform certain procedures. Yeah. You know, at one point I was looking to just get my tubes tied and was told by my gynecologist that she couldn't do it on site at the hospital she worked at. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, this is like just another episode of like, this is the bad place. <laughs> I know. It's like, America is the bad place. Like after dark and how oh, it truly is. And I'm depressed. <laughs> I need to go binge watch some Netflix. I'm sorry. I know. But the last point I want to make on all of this is the dark money. Oh, yes. So again, longtime listeners will know about this because we've talked about this before. But faith based organizations that are actually providing religion. So again, your churches, synagogues, temples, etc. Their tax information is not public. Right. But they often collect the funds and then a, a good portion of that goes on to support their affiliated organizations. So when you have that kind of structure, you've got a lot of money going into the church that isn't seen, that has no public oversight. Right. There, there's no democracy around it whatsoever. Right. And then it is going in to promote these exclusive organizations that have religious backing, that are promoting religions, and sometimes very explicitly, right? Like that's that's what they say they're there to do. Right. And we don't know where those dollars are coming from. But those organizations are also getting federal dollars. So now you've got taxpayer money and dark money coming together to provide religiously specific human services. Ew. Ew. I'm glad you brought this up. I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time we're going to be talking about this. I know this is very much a scratching the surface moment. Yeah. And a Nia needed to get this off her chest moment because uh, the vitriol needed to go somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could talk about like faith-based recovery and treatment programs. Right. A lot to say about that. Right. There's a lot of shit. But again, like the, the larger context is... What can we do to regulate? What can we do to protect the individuals? How can we as society change this? Because we can't hope that our next president is going to do something. Yeah. Well, and because even if they do, you know, it'll get reversed. It'll just get reversed. Yeah. 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 That's the shitty stuff. Again, I just I feel like I need to say this is not a call out of any religious organizations. Well, besides the one (laughs) that I have not named. But like, again, a lot of religious organizations or religiously started organizations do good work. Yeah. But you have to hopefully you've divorced from the religion, from the practice enough that anybody can walk through the doors and get the services they need, regardless of their faith and practice. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good. I think there's a, a lot of us that this is eye-opening, right? It's like we never even really stop to think about or consider that. Yeah. And especially if you didn't grow up in a place like where you grew up, which is not only um, really conservative, but also a small town. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so often, like, they've got fluffy names where you're like, you wouldn't even know that it's affiliated with that church unless you knew kind of the inner workings and and that's something that, again, we as like individuals, as donors, yeah. as volunteers For sure. need to do some research on. All right. Well, as always, let us know what you think. Get your Bible out of my shelter. <laughs> <laughs> um, how can they reach out to us? Um, you can send all of your hate mail directly to me at nonprofitreframe <laughs> at gmail.com. I will happily receive it. That's okay. Wouldn't be the first time. True. Would not be the first time. You can also... Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And don't forget, follow us over on Patreon. We got some good stuff coming up. 
Yeah, don't forget that book club, which a lot of what we talked about tonight, there's kind of like intersecting themes happening in the book. Yeah, parallels. So, all right. Thanks so much. Take care. Y'all have a good one. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.